there a doctor in the house? Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. Doctor. 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 And doctor. It's time for Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. The doctor is in. Yes, Dr. Batar is here. Barely got a chance to say hello before we went on the air today, so I'll ask you on the air for all the ears to hear. How's my friend? How are you doing, sir? I am doing very well, Robert. Hope you are as well. Yeah, the pace has been quick, but uh, we're here and uh, happy to do some advanced medicine with you. Of course, each and every week we get together. If you miss a show, available through all of our archived outlets, including medicalrewind.com. That's a special one for Dr. Batar. And as we open the show today, uh, we've got some interesting news about the microbiome. Now, this part of the microbiome we actually haven't discussed much on the air, at least under that name. It's called, called the nasopharynx microbiome. And somebody, and it's going to be a shocker when you hear who's funding this, but somebody is studying the nasopharynx microbiome and vaccination in children. They want to see how the vaccines interact and change the nasopharynx microbiome. I almost don't know how to start, finish, or begin, or go to the middle of this, Dr. Batarna. I know you've just seen this for the first time, but is it something you've addressed before in your practice, the nasopharynx microbiome? To answer that question as succinctly as possible, the answer is no, I have not. (laughs) And I think that it would behoove mankind to stay away from it, because as soon as we start mucking around with the system, mm-hmm. we are invariably going to cause problems. And this is really a pretty um, incredible um, story, Robert, because I think the implications are far-reaching. And I think perhaps before we even start talking about this particular study, we may want to, or you may want to specifically outline the history of the Gates Foundation and what they have actually done before we talk about specifically what they're trying to do with this particular nasopharynx sure. microbiome component. Well, the, yeah, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, surprise, surprise, is funding this study. Now, on one hand, I'm not opposed to funding studies, especially privately, that will you know move the so-called our understanding or scientific understanding of the body, of the, what's called the microbiome, I, hopefully for, for helping health and healing and that kind of thing. But I'm always suspicious when the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation does it because they've been a primary supporter and funder of vaccine research, vaccine dissemination, vaccine proliferation on the planet. Something that, especially the way it's done today, as we've discussed many times over the years together, we do not support, cannot support, even though we are not opposed outright to the concept of vaccination. The way it's done today is horrific, it's vile, it's, 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 a, it's a criminal act, in my opinion, and, and you should probably share that. We've done this for years. So their investigation into the nasopharynx microbiome is intriguing to me, the first half, to acknowledge that it exists. The second part, I'm not so sure about. Well, the, this is a problem. We know historically that they have been involved with, obviously, all the things you just said, but what I think a lot of people may not know, and I think you have seen this video footage where... Bill Gates discussed the importance of human population control and how vaccines was going to be one of the ways of doing so. And it was so blatant 
I, I mean, I couldn't believe that they were actually, that he actually was on video saying this, but it wasn't any type of an actor. It wasn't a joke. It wasn't uh, videography technique, you know, to make him look bad. I think this was, he was actually saying this. So I have a very, very uh, highly suspicious thought process in my mind when I hear the Gates Foundation is involved with anything to do with childhood diseases. And I think, Robert, you know what I'm talking about, right? You've seen the video footage of him talking Yeah, about where about he acknowledges the cruciality of, of dissemination and, 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 you know, spreading of the vaccines everywhere, particularly in Africa, of all places, uh, for uh, population control or reduction. Right. And, so, you know, you, you ask the question, why, if, if vaccines are so good to prevent disease, are you suddenly saying that this will reduce population? And I know there have been all kinds of left what he said, trying to explain it away. Yeah, so it, the the point is we don't have to necessarily discuss the details of it, but the point is that it makes the agenda of any study that they are involved in highly suspect to me in the first place. But then when we start looking at this particular one, when you're dealing with the microbiome, not just of the nasopharynx, but of any area of the body, the key to understand about anything fundamentally on any level of um, when you talk about the microbiome, at least, is that it's the delicate nature of the balance that's the key. And if that balance is disrupted, by definition, there are consequences that will be far-reaching. So what they're trying to do now with this study, I find it, you know, it's, it's very presumptuous, actually very pompous and arrogant of man, again, to think that they can go into a system that has evolved over you know, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of years, and come in and say, oh, we're going to make it better, or we're going to prevent it from getting worse, or we're going to look at all the uh, nuances that may not have been completely optimized, and we, as humans, as man, will optimize it, which we know is just going to muck up the system. Pretty much anything that man touches, we screw up. We know that. So think of this as well. The, the alteration, as you said, Dr. Vitar, the alteration of this microbiome, uh, you know, through man's great arrogance, you know, that we, we, we know more than the creator, and we will engineer your environment. We will engineer your microbiome. We will engineer the microbes in the microbiome. This is the, this is the kind of thing that concerns me uh, as far as the arrogance coming from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and the researchers that they fund. Exactly. And so this is like discovering a jungle in the middle of the Congo, a sub-jungle, if you will, something that no man has ever seen. It's perfectly balanced. It's doing wonderfully well on its own. And then we come in and say, oh, we are going to institute ecological measures to ensure the balance of this uh, jungle. I don't think so. I think pretty much as soon as we come in, we're going to screw it up. So that's, we're we're going to mow down the forest, and then and we're going to replant. Or actually, no, we'll put some plastic plants that look like the plants that were there before, and then we'll colonize it with certain genetic engineered microbes that are, are designed to live on plastic instead of instead of real plant life. I mean, that's the concept here that we're dealing with with this arrogant perspective that they can come in with vaccinations and somehow alter the microbiome for the better. And when people may contest what you just said, Robert. Some people say, well, of course, that's not what they're trying to do. Well, let's look at just things that in everyday um, living we encounter. When we look at flour, for example, okay, so we look at enriched flour. And so what do we do? We take 
we take wheat, we take everything out of it, then we bleach it, and then mm-hmm. we throw a couple of vitamins into it, and we call it enriched flour. So it's exactly what you just said. And now we take that flour and we put it into bodies of people all over the world. That's exactly the whole point that you just said. Let's take the plants out, let's put plastic plants in place, and uh, then say that we've got... This is not a far-fetched exaggeration. This is not embellishment whatsoever. We do this with foods that we take in. We call them enriched after we take everything out and throw a couple things back into it, bleach it, modify it, you know, ostracize it, do whatever we want to it. And this is where the irradiation, this is a fifth, uh, in, the, in the seven toxicities, this is the sixth toxicity that I talk about in the book that's on the facts and toxicity DVDs, foods. What we do to our foods, not what's in the foods, but what we do to it, the pasteurization, the homogenization, the irradiation, the genetic modification, mm-hmm. how we alter the things that we take into our foods, well, that into our, into our bodies. And that is, in fact, changing our environment. So it's no different than this analogy we're making with the, with the jungle coming in and replanting it, with, you know, taking out the good plants and putting plastic plants in there. That's exactly mm-hmm. what they're talking about with this nasopharynx biome, you know, re-engineering it, restructuring it, taking the intricate balance that's already been evolved and proven over hundreds of thousands, if not millions of years, and then trying to make it, you know, different, trying to make it better, supposedly. Well, and as I read this article uh, that we have listed here, and you can see it, it's linked up in the show notes at robertscabell.com. Uh, and again, anytime you, you miss uh, a Medical Rewind, we have it linked up. And of course, you can also go to medicalrewind.com to get it directly. Um, they're talking about at-risk children, and they're saying, well, maybe probiotics could be helpful, could reduce the possibility of disease. So it seems like it's benign at the end. But again, coming back to the source, and you go, wait a second, when have they ever done something real benign? They've always had a profit motive behind it. In other words, we've got a patent, for instance. We've got to engineer something that we can then patent and then profit off of. Otherwise, we're just giving away that which we could profit from. And anything we know about these large foundations, going back to Rockefeller and Carnegie, they dupe the public into donating their own money for these campaigns. And, of course, this is kind of what the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation plays on, is that you donate to us, we'll match the funds, etc., in the meantime, they get good PR for the people that aren't awake, and they have invested in something that they're going to profit from on the back end. Right. I'd like to take a second here and just read from this uh, excerpt, because I think it's important, uh, pertinent to the facts that we're discussing here. It says here, little is known about the detailed structure of the nasopharynx microbiome, especially in newborns and during early life as the microbiome is formed. And that we totally agree with that, that we shouldn't be screwing around with it. Mm-hmm. Understanding how the microbiome yes. is formed, what kind of contributions come from parents, siblings, and caregivers, and how different geographical environments influence the nasopharynx microbiome is an important task of metagenomic research. Here's my question. How about giving somebody a vaccine that's immunosuppressive and causes that endogenous, naturally occurring flora to now be... Uh, Damage to be uh, compromised, to be yeah. you know, to make make it susceptible to other opportunistic infections. But they're not even talking about that aspect. Okay, knowledge of these phenomena would allow abnormal situations to be recognized. You're creating the abnormal situation by giving the yeah. vaccine in the first place. <laughs> How about the abnormal one they're creating? Exactly, offering the opportunity to uh. prevent diseases and ensure healthy development of the infant. How about we just not screw with the system and let the healthy infant develop the way we're supposed to? <laughs> so it, it's, it's the most idiotic, oxymoronic uh, rationale that they're using 
you know, let's let's go let's go more into the hole. We, we've we've dug a hole already with vaccines. Let's take a greater hole. Let's by, dig it deeper. Yeah. Now looking at the microbiome. Yeah, the cognitive dissonance just stares right out at you from the page here. Like we're going to look and see how to how, how this thing could be screwed up, and at the same time, we're going to be the ones to screw it up, and then we'll come in and rescue you with something we engineer. Wow, pretty impressive. Thanks, Dr. Batar, for that one. We've got lots more healing to go on the Robert Scott Bell Show Advanced Medicine Version with Dr. Batar. Robert Scott Bell Show. In all my years of radio, I've never seen anything like this. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Rocking the health world through the power of radio. It's the Robert Scott Bell Show. All right, for all our friends, family, listeners in Texas, this is for you. A new uh, a lawmaker in Texas, a Democrat by the name of Tony Rose, 110th District out of Dallas. He wants to promote this thing called HB 212, which would circumvent federal and state parental rights and consumer protection laws by allowing a minor 12 years, oh, I'm sorry, 14 years of age and older in Texas in the juvenile justice system consent to vaccination without their parents knowing about it and with dr Batar, of course you were in the military we had a question last week for you after we had done the show already about you know how they hammer all the military our our, our veterans while they're in an active duty and how do you stop it from happening but here you know they're not waiting for you to sign up for the military for you to lose all your rights over your own body they're wanting to do this to kids in texas it's so surprising that this would happen in Texas because that would be the one state that I would think that nothing like this would ever be tolerated. And yet, it would be very similar to the situation. If you look at the global situation, uh, a conversation I had with an individual from the U.K., he said, I hope you people in the U.S. hold up. So the U.S. would be like Texas in the world. So Texas in the United States is like the U.S. in the rest of the world. I see that as being a very parallel comparison. And he, he basically said that if you give up your right to the right to bear arms, the, the Second Amendment, then as the U.S. goes, so does the rest of the world. And he said, I hope you people in the U.S. understand that, that you're the last stronghold. Well, in Texas, I would think the same thing, that in, if, some, if Texas falls, pretty much all the rest of the states will fall. And if this law passes in Texas, um, it's going to pass everywhere else. It's it's unbelievable. I cannot even believe I'm looking at this right now on my computer while I'm talking to you, Robert. I cannot even believe that somebody would propose this or that it would even see the light of day that the proposal wasn't to shut down before it would even be named. It's absolutely right, outrageous. Right. And um, There is a, a meeting, just so you know, uh, it, we're advanced of that meeting Wednesday, March 18th. It's just a couple of days away. Uh, 10.30 a.m. in the Capital Extension Hearing Room, uh, E2.016. And, again, we've got it linked up in the show notes at robertscabell.com. Uh, I think that once this gains a little publicity in Texas, it, it will get shot down. Remember the outrage when uh, Governor Texas Governor uh, Perry had promoted the uh, Gardasil shot for teenage girls, and there was outrage there. Now he admits he made a mistake, at least that's what he's saying, uh, for doing that. But this is similar to that. I don't think Texans will take it once they, they get wind of this thing. I can tell you that whoever this representative uh, Tony Rose is, uh, I could pretty much, if I was a gambling person, tell you that they will not. Well, if they get elected again, it won't be it won't be uh, appropriately elected uh, because I don't think anybody would would vote for this person. This is 
Well, you're taking every fundamental aspect of, of the right of a parent to uh, protect their child away, and, and you're doing, trying to do it from a um, level that would allow all sorts of other implications to fall down. You know how they, the first time you do something and you open it up, you open up a whole can of worms, and that allows for all these subsequent events to take place. This particular situation, if you take away the right of a parent over the child over vaccination, then you take away the right of the parent over the child for everything. Not just vaccinations or medical treatment, but education, religion, everything. It, it's, a, it's a very, very steep slope. Mm-hmm. Well, think think about this concept of self-ownership, right? If the government can force you or your child to be vaccinated or even allow a child to consent at 14, I mean, I know kids at 14, they can be smart. There's no doubt about that. But really, you want to trust them to make decisions that they may not have been raised to understand the consequences of actions that they've been sold had they not been, you know, uh, born and raised by the Batar family or the Bell family. These kids are not going to know. They're going to kowtow to medical authority. The doctors say it's safe, it's effective, don't worry about it. And without parents guiding them, they could likely end up in a situation that would require some remediation through the National Vaccine Injury Compensation Court. Yeah, you know, I was when you were talking, I was just thinking the same thing, like with my youngest, Rahan, who's now 10. Um, yep. I think you saw the video that we played, played at uh, oh, yeah. the Advanced oh, yeah. Seminars. He was only eight at that time. And he was outraged what he was talking about with the vaccines at that point. So, you know, and we're not talking about this because we're worried about our own children because we know that, you know, good luck trying to vaccinate one of our kids. Um, right. That's not the concern. The concern is that, like a lot of kids, a lot of kids may not be aware and may not know what the consequences of those actions may be in the future. Right. Well, there is a battle on for your body, and the government is claiming ownership over of it, over it if it can force you to get these vaccines or your children. If you give up on that, it's like what Dr. Batar said about our friends over in the U.K. If, if, uh, if America goes, uh, there ain't nobody left. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but I just don't know where to go at that point. All right, we'll be back with more healing after this. Great heavens, what kind of radio show is this? The Robert Scott Bell Show. on bureaucrats and corporations that would stand in the way of health freedom. Here's Robert. All right, if you're new to the Robert Scott Bell Show, every week we start Monday off with Dr. Rasha Bittar. We do uh, advanced medicine, as we call it, medicalrewind.com, easy way to get access to it, as well as uh, in the show notes at robertscottbell.com, links to his international best-selling book, The Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away which I always have a copy with me now wherever I go. Uh, and I'm, I'm lecturing about things, and it's one of the things I say, here's one of the books you need to read. So if you haven't done so, please get it. Again, linked up in the show notes, easy, easy quick access to, including many videos uh, that Dr. Pitar has done, and I narrated a few all those years ago before we launched radio together. Wow, where does the time go, Dr. Bittar? Yeah, it, it was. It's been over 10 years. And Robert, actually, now that I think about it, it's actually 15 years because you did those in 2000, 2001, 2002. Yeah, we got to compare gray hairs. Who's got more since then? I definitely have more. <laughs> uh, it's I, you know, I don't know. I I thought you were like going to pull a Chuck Norris thing. Gray hairs won't even get on you because uh, Dr. No, Tar is too I've strong. Got, 
I've, I've had gray hair since I was like 11 years old, man. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, you were always, a, you know, an early bloomer, so to speak. You just went right at it, you know. Take your time, take your time. Uh, now, <laughs> on this issue, not taking our time, uh, hellfinder.gov reports that the White House is reporting a historic drop in uninsured Americans. They are applauding. The crowd is going, wow, look, Obama has done it. He saved us. More than 16 million people have gained coverage since the Affordable Care Act took, took effect. This is you know, known as Obamacare. I'm not ready to applaud because what they are patting themselves on the back, what are they self-congratulating themselves about, is violating a fundamental human right of self-determination, giving you, under threat of penalty, the option to sign up or not, and if you don't, you're going to be fined for this thing that they call affordable health care or health insurance. I don't call it health insurance. I don't call it health care. And it's certainly not affordable, as we're learning, how many subsidies have to take place in order for anybody to afford it, other than the super wealthy. The reality is here, they are applauding themselves for grabbing an old lady and dragging her across the street against her will. You get to the other side, she's beating you with her umbrella the whole way. Why? She's not grateful. She didn't want to go. And that is, my friends, is basically what they've done with this Obamacare Act. They've forced you into it. They threatened you with fines. And they said, look how good this is, Dr. Batar. Look how many more people have health insurance. Yeah, it's pretty outrageous. You're right. And I think Don, during the break, you know, brought up a really good point. Don, I think you should bring that up with the analogy that you made with North Korea, because I think that's, uh, well, that really focuses it in. Some yeah. some people might say that this is an exaggeration, but I see I see the analogy here as being accurate. I mean, if you did a study in North Korea, mm-hmm. it, you would probably find that, like, say, ninety eight percent of the people surveyed would say, "We love dear leader Kim Jong Un." Well, <laughs> the reason for that is that if you say something bad about him, they're going to shoot you and throw you in a ditch. So, of course, the people, oh, dear leader, he's the greatest in the world. You know, They may actually hate him, but they're going to say that. And it's the same thing with the insurance. People don't want it, but if they say, if you don't get it, we're going to fine you, you know, hundreds of dollars. Well, okay, I guess I'll get it. And then they can go, look, the rates of insurance, of people getting insurance has gone up. Well, of course, you held a gun to their head. What do you expect them to do? Yeah, exactly. And I think that's something that people don't really appreciate. Um, I think that's a really, really important point to bring out. I think it's uh, crucial for people to understand that the freedom, when we talk about freedom, freedom means the right to choose. It doesn't mean that you've accomplished X, Y, and Z and force people to do it and then use it under the pretense, well, people sometimes don't know what's good for them. Well, I can tell you that I certainly don't want somebody to tell me that I have to take a certain drug or take a certain type of treatment or, or have a bypass surgery or this or that. or you know, There's so many different things that we know in medicine aren't good. I mean, this issue is bypass surgery. We know that almost all bypass surgery, when it's done, the indication is the left ventricular ejection fraction has to be more than 50%. Otherwise, the person's not going to be able to survive it. Yet, the indication, the time... The, the, the time that a person should get this is when their ejection fraction is only below 35%. Yet, all surgeries are being done when their projection fraction is 45 to 50%. Why? Because if it's below 35%, they're not going to survive the surgery in the first place. And so why do a surgery? You know, it's like, it's like saying you only need it if it's below 35%, but you're not going to survive it. So let's do it when you have 45% or 50%. Well, I don't want to have that surgery. There's so many other things that I can do. But if you're forced to do it, then you have to you become a statistic and you end up... Uh, 
uh, going down that rabbit hole and you end up having the same, mm-hmm. um, you become a statistic and, and end up suffering the same way as everybody else. Because the key to understand is that with, with knowledge, you become empowered. And when you become empowered, nobody can now take advantage of you and you can no longer be the victim. And what they've done over here is they've bypassed that and saying no matter how much knowledge you have, no matter how, no matter how much power you get, no matter how much the right to, to uh, heal is yours, it doesn't matter because we're going to force you to get this insurance and go down this particular mm-hmm. treatment. Because they're not going to reimburse you for the type of treatment you may want to have, for detoxification and all this, you know, metal removal. No, they're going to do it based upon what they think is the right way of treating your body. And Thomas Jefferson said over 250 years ago that when a people give up their right, I'm sorry, when, a, when a people allow the government to dictate the foods that they put in their mouths and the medicines they put into their bodies, their souls will soon be in the same sorry state as those who live under tyranny. So this was said 250 years ago, and this is no different because they're, they're manipulating the situation to take over control over your body. Because they're going to dictate right. the type of care you're going to get through that insurance. Yeah, indeed. And, and you know, just to take it into that, uh, I guess, the political realm, I mean, I, I thought there was one thing we would have as an ideal in America. And, and granted, there's a, a plurality, there's a whole lot of backgrounds and, and perspectives, but wouldn't we think it reasonable to come down and agree on the issue of freedom, right? The freedom of choice, for instance, which is being abandoned by many in politics. I'd say only on the left, but it's not true. Some on the political right as well are participating in this insanity to force vaccinations, to eliminate exemptions. But on this issue of Obamacare, it's a celebration. In this article through healthfinder.gov, it's just horrific. It's stomach-churning. It's nauseating to me because I read it and I see what they're celebrating. They're celebrating the abandonment of freedom. That, to me, is not something to celebrate. But then those particularly who support this concept of Obamacare have long since past the time of abandoning freedom they feel like freedom is too dangerous we can't hack freedom we there's no way around we've got to have the government intervene on our behalf never mind the whole history of medicine going back to the flexner report of of 1910 that we've talked about on the air here and of ty bollinger's lectured on it as well how it set the stage for the medical monopoly which is not a freedom loving group either innovation doesn't happen in monopoly And so we look now and we say, well, we've got to do this because freedom didn't work. Well, no, freedom did work. We abandoned it so long ago, we don't even recognize it anymore. And so we perceive that what we had prior to Obamacare was a free market, which it was not. Yep, you're absolutely right. And awareness of this information and what it really means is crucial to the public. And I'm glad that... uh, you know, whoever came up, I guess, Don, you picked the story, so I'm glad that you picked the story, and I'm glad that it came out to the forefront because it was needed. Well, and it's, Wait. you know, it's like, it's funny because there's a term that I haven't thought of in a long time, but really what they're trying to do is they're trying to create a cult of personality around this, where they're using the mass media and the propaganda and all that crap, you know, like, look, look at a great job we're doing, when in reality, it's just all a bunch of smoke and mirrors. Yeah. Yep, and it's the same system that is now applauding, again, another healthfinder.gov article. I didn't get the memo. Uh, An experimental drug is showing promise in lowering cholesterol. And I'm just thinking, how many times over the years have we covered it? I was even on the Jerry Doyle show more recently when finally the government scientists had to admit and acquiesce and say, there's really no good reason to reduce cholesterol levels in the body. It does not prevent heart attacks. 
and yet now they're still coming out and saying, hey, look, we're excited. There's a new drug in the pipeline that might be able One to lower cholesterol. Ago. One yeah. month ago Very is when we were talking about this. Yeah, and a month later, they, like, forget it didn't happen. And I think that, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Dr. Batar, the cardiologist might be a few years, if not 10 years, behind their own peer-reviewed literature. Yeah, they don't. They really don't know. Um, the original work that was done that talked about the lipid drugs was all based upon the Helsinki study, and they were looking at actually triglycerides and cholesterol, the HDL, the LDL, and one of the most important components in, those, in that research that was discovered was that when you take these statin drugs or the red yeast rice, which are basically the, it's, it's a naturally occurring statin-like component, which is basically what the statin drugs are based off of, Whenever you drop the lipid levels in the body, the one key component that you also drop is coenzyme Q10, which is ubiquinone, and it's vital for the mitochondria to function. And so even in those studies, they said it is vital that when you take a statin drug or any naturally occurring substance like a statin that would have the same type of effect as statin, specifically the red yeast rice, that you must take it with the coenzyme Q10 because it depletes the body's supply of coenzyme Q10. And if you don't take it, you end up having lots and lots of problems. So when people talk about muscle fatigue and muscle pain and all this other stuff, that's because their body is being depleted of, of, uh, of coenzyme Q10, which is, as you know, very, very vital for the heart. And, of course, right, the rest right. of the muscles, too. So we, nobody even talks about that. And when it was brought up in the 80s about this patent uh, drug usage without the use of coenzyme Q10, the response essentially was, well, the coenzyme Q10 is too expensive, so that's why we dropped the recommendation of it. <laughs> yeah, incredible. So let's, incredible. let's try to drop the lipids and then cause more problems because the rate of hepatocellular carcinoma or liver cancer when you're in statin drugs is exponentially higher. I think something like four or six times higher mm -hmm. in people that take uh, statin drugs as opposed to people that don't. Yeah, and you're not even mentioning statin-induced dementia, you know, and, I, and, and, and maybe even Alzheimer's, all the things that we know, the impact on on the lipids, the fat cells of the brain, the nervous system, the neurons, uh, as well. And, of course, you know, they're still advertising statin drugs, so, you know, ask your doctor, right? So the, the mass programming is still on here. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's something that more people need to be aware of. And, again, it's, um, this is why I like the show so much, because there's so much information that's not even necessarily directly medically related, like this maybe, uh, or mm -hmm. politically motivated, like what we just talked about. This, this, I actually... I actually like listening to the show and being on the show just because I end up being brought up. Do you know, do you know that this is the only form of news I get? <laughs> That's, you know, some people might be frightened by that, but I'm, I'm comforted by that, Dr. Batar. That's a good thing. Uh, listen, I, I, Dr. Oh. Batar, I'm not worried about you at all because you have a mind of your own. There's nothing I could say to convince you of that which is not true is true, right? So you got a great BS detector. When we come back, healthy kidney function in San Francisco, what are they doing? to counteract it. Um, can you repeat the part of the stuff where you said all about the things? It's the Robert Scott Bell Show. Robert will be right back. Making sense out of medical propaganda. Here's Robert. All right, wrapping it up with Dr. Batar, Advanced Medicine, MedicalRewind.com as well. Uh, Dr. Batar, I know we've, uh, we've teased things often well before we realized we were ready to, to go with them, like the uh, seminar coming up. 
And I want to let everybody know that listens loyally and, and faithfully that, indeed, it's there's still stuff happening behind the scenes, looking like April, uh, where we'll do this online seminar. We'll get you the sign-up information. So we haven't forgotten about it. But I know, Dr. Vitar, you get excited about these things. Sometimes we bring them up like weeks, sometimes a couple of months too soon. Well, it's actually, um, I'll just tell you, Robert, what happened last time. Remember we did that uh, webinar that we announced? We did it two weeks before we announced it. Uh, the first day we had 86 people that had registered for it. We expected to have maybe 250. The day before, we had, I think, 300 people registered. And the actual day that we did the webinar, we had over 780 people, I think 786 people that attended. Uh, and we were on there for almost three and a half hours. It was uh, it's, it's a webinar that we recorded. And the biggest criticism was that we didn't give people enough time to be notified about it. So we are going to make sure that we have at least a month before we do this. So I'm, I'm hoping by next week we will actually announce the actual date of it. There's just a lot of material that we want to cover, and we want to make right. sure we have all our eggs in a basket. Um, the evolution of all the things that we've been working on, from everything from the head map to some of these other components, the mango, and the, you know, there's, right. there's a lot of cool things coming down the pipeline. So we do appreciate everybody's patience, and we get yes, you know, we get hit at the clinic all the time people asking when the next one webinar is but it is coming and it will be worth the wait i promise all right sounds good sounds good now uh last story of the day thanks to super don uh in san francisco a little bit concerned about kidney function i don't know if they're thinking of it in those terms but evidently a lot of people are urinating wherever they'd like and they're trying to figure out what to do because it's quite expensive for that area. The city spends $2 million a year to clean up bodily fluids. They send these steamer trucks to power wash away the filth, sometimes to the same spot two or three times in a day. So if you've ever been to San Francisco, there's a large homeless population, probably enough pub- not enough public restrooms, and they're going wherever they want. Now, it's not just them, but they've figured out, Dr. Batar, a way to, to, to get this problem. I'm not going to say it. Let's just say they've figured out a way, or maybe they haven't. Let's find out. But the city has an unusual plan to deter problem urinators. They recently found out about a special paint that deflects and repels liquid. So if someone pees on a wall painted with it... It will uh, bounce back on your pants and uh, wet your pants. And uh, hopefully that will send you a message and uh, you won't come back. So what are they, they've, they've got a special paint that delivers your urine right back at you. It's I've never a urine heard of force a field for the wall. Yeah. <laughs> Just, I've never I don't know. I've never heard of it anyway, but I, I think it may backfire on them because I, I don't think, uh, you know, they think homeless people are stupid. They're not. They can figure this thing out. Give a listen. You got to go. You got to go. Yeah, you know I mean, Ronnie Fields thinks the plan is a waste and doesn't think it'll work. If he has to go, he says he'll just go somewhere else. Oh, I feel on the ground. I'm not going to feel on the wall if I know it's going to bounce back on me. You know what I mean? If I know beforehand, too, uh, thank you. Good looking out for telling me. So. <laughs> Yeah, evidently the homeless people are plugged into the news cycle. They're going to go, okay. They, paint I the think walls, they're, they're, they're smart. They're smarter than the officials in San Francisco, apparently. I think so. I think so. I well, just want to know what. Mm-hmm. I just want to know what Don was smoking when he decided to put this as part of the story we're going to cover. <laughs> <laughs> I, but you it's know, very I'm, important. I mean, it's a public is, service announcement going on here. Look, you know, do me a favor, Don. These type of public service announcements, why don't you reserve them for the Wednesday shows with the uh, with with Ty Bollinger. <laughs> well, I mean, if there's a, a bright spot in here, it's like the, at least the homeless people have decent kidney function because they're going everywhere over there. That's yeah, true. All right, so they, listen. They're not suffering what have from we learned? prostatic hypertrophy, so that's good. <laughs> yes. Well, listen, 
what have we learned from this story? Listen, now if you pee on the walls in San Francisco, you're in a lot of trouble. But I do predict that the trend will peter out eventually. So there you go. Well, that, that's good, Don. But what I learned from the story is that somebody should actually uh, watch over you when you're coming up with the stories because we don't know what you're smoking. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, okay, Thank you, just Dr. wait Vitar. till next week. Just wait till next week. Now, oh, so you, you set yourself up, Doctor Vitar. It could no be even worse next week for you. No more cough syrup. No, no more cough syrup. Thank you, Doctor Rasha Vitar. Another wonderful advanced medicine. Go to medicalrewind.com. That's the easiest way to catch up on these particular shows. Although they're also available throughout the World Wide Web, UK Health Radio, Epic Times. Natural News Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, and Genesis Communications as well. In the meantime, we'll leave you with this important message. It's the God's honest truth. The power to heal is yours. The Robert Scott Bell Show.